0: All right, good morning, Four Oaks. I feel like we're long lost friends greeting one another. I'm Pastor Paul. It's been a couple of weeks since we've cranked up these devotionals because of the Easter season and otherwise, but we want to come hard down the home stretch here between now and the end of May uh, when we'll take a summer break. But we have more important business to attend to right now. This is called Romans Rewind. So this is where we take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning, 8 o'clock to 8.15 or so, and we unpack a portion of God's Word. And this season, we're running concurrently with our preaching series through the Book of Romans. So such a deep, rich um, book, the waters um, are above our head, so to speak, don't have time to cover everything, so we use these times in between sermons to sort of pick up the pieces and explore different themes. Um, Because it's been a couple of weeks since we've been together, just a reminder, you can email any questions in that you have. So paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com, that's the secret uh, bat phone number, and um, we'll get those questions and attempt to work them in. And this might be um, a session or a season of sessions here, or you might have more questions than not, simply because we are into Romans 9, which is one of the, the most majestic mountain peaks of biblical theology in all of Scripture, but yet um, one of the more controversial ones because it deals with issues such as God's sovereignty and election and calling and, and such. And so, obviously, anytime we wade into the waters of, of topics like that, um, particularly in, in in our own cultural context, then it can raise a lot of questions for us. And so we are committed to letting the word of God be the word of God, letting scripture speak for scripture and God speak for himself. And so with that, um, we're gonna dive into the passage we were in this past Sunday. And so that is Romans 9, one through five. So you'll need your Bibles in front of you this morning. Let me read the passage and then um, talk about one of the things that Paul hones in on here. So so Romans nine verses one through five, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, as we talked about yesterday, the, the words that Paul uses for his grief, unceasing anguish, great sorrow, it's this idea of an unrelenting burden that sort of presses upon our hearts. And most of us, all of us, right, have experienced that at some point in our life or maybe even experiencing it right now. And I want to follow up to something I said in the sermon. I said that it's important that we not race past Paul's pain here, that we use it um, as a diagnostic, as a, as a tool, um, not just Paul's pain, but but our own pain, that, that for Paul, his pain became a, uh, a spur um, to launch him into prayer, to launch him into seeking God. And, um, and I said, we, we want to be careful to do that too, not to rush past our own pain, to be more discerning, self-aware about what's going on inside of us so that um it's a means to bring our hearts our emotions our desires to god prayerfully to submit to him so that can raise a lot of questions right and it raises the questions of how exactly are we as believers to think about emotions how are we to think about our hearts and and let's 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 talk about two sort of extremes here okay on on one extreme We do react rightly to what we see culturally going on, which seems to be uh, a culture run by sheer emotion. Okay. Or let me put it a little more distinctively people's inward experiences seem to be the sole determinant of truth. So if I feel something, if I have some inclination, if I am um, internally wrestling or, or thinking about myself in a particular way, then that gets authority. Then that. That is, that's what sort of drives the agenda. And we see this, right, in our, own, in our own country, for example, where people's internal sense of identity is elevated to a position of authority. And we look at all of the, you know, the, the disappearing of free speech across the country and censorship across media platforms and where debate is being stifled and free expression of thought. And we look at that and say, well, what's going on there? Well, there's many things going on. But one thing that's certainly going on is that when a cultural's internal sense of identity um, rises to some sort of, um, you know, when I say consensus, I don't mean across the whole culture, but among the elite institutions, okay, whether it's it's politics, government, uh, media, but when there, when there is like this gelling consensus there, then those things that were internally generated become become the sole authority, become the driving authority, and anything that disagrees with that is, is, is cast aside. And so right, understandably, as Christians, we look at that and say, no, 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 that's not how we take every thought captive. We want to be not making ourselves and our own hearts, our own feelings as the sole proprietor of authority. We wanna be bringing those to God. We wanna be measuring them by the word of God. We need to be corrected in our emotions. Not all emotions are equal. Not all emotions are equally valid. And so that is a proper critique. And, and in place of that, we wanna bring the word of God. We wanna bring truth. Now there is an equal and opposite reaction that's oftentimes seen among Christian circles that I've, I've witnessed. And that's the sort of idea that because emotions aren't to be trusted, because feelings aren't the ultimate arbiter of truth, because the word of God stands above all these things, then we don't need to bring emotion into the arena at all. Um, in fact, it's not to be trusted, it's dangerous. Um, we, it's much better, safer to talk about what we know to be true and, and what is objective and real and based in fact. Now, I would say, the, and, and, and because of that, okay, ignore the emotion. Um, don't give them any weight. Um, ignore them, suppress them, push them down. And what I want to say is that both of those extremes are, in my mind, not biblical. And we need to go to the scriptures to understand um, how to rightly relate God's truth with our emotion. So again, if you have your Bibles, and I know you do, flip over to Psalm chapter 42, and I think David gives us a model, okay, for how to relate theology and emotion, um, how to relate the heart and the mind. And again, that's what Paul does so well, right, in Romans 9. He's bringing his anguish, his tears, his fears, that's a rock band from the 80s, and he's, he's, he's attempting to um, make sense of them in light of who God has revealed himself to be, in, in his word in the Old Testament. And I think he's probably patterning himself after people like David. So let me read this Psalm. And I'm going to just read it in little chunks and stop and make some comments. So this is David. Oh, actually, it's the, the sons of Korah have, have written this. And it's Psalm 42. And the title is, Why are you cast down O my soul? So it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so it's interesting, the psalmist acknowledges, right, that there's something deep and unsatisfied going on within him. His, his soul is, 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 as we're going to see, in some sort of turmoil. And he recognizes right off the bat that the turmoil of his soul is ultimately, right, ultimately, rooted in some sort of disconnection from God. And that's, a, and that's one thing to remember. When we um, are feeling depressed, anxious, worried, consumed, bitter, whatever, um, something is happening there, okay, that, that rightly understood should connect us to God, okay? And so listen to what, what um, the psalmist goes on to say. Verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And here, the psalmist is self-aware enough to know that he's questioning, that he's struggling, that he's wrestling. In other words, he's not just blowing past his emotions. He's attempting to understand what they're pointing to. Um, they're, They're sort of a... Um, an indicator, right? Um, A blinking light on the dashboard that something is wrong in the car engine and that it needs to be attended to. So let's keep going to verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng to lead them in procession to the house of God with shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So the psalmist knows enough to know that although at that moment, he might be feeling despair, anxiety, depression, worry, that there have been better times, and he wants to remember those. That, that That is a valid way to engage our emotional state, right? If we're feeling like we've been abandoned, if we've been feeling like we don't have provision, if we are feeling like things are pressing in, it's very right, okay, to remember those times, give thanks to God for those times in which that hasn't been the case, in which God has... Provided in those very tangible ways, and and again, the psalmist directs our attention to those. Let's keep let's keep going. Verse five. Why are you ca- down? Why are, uh, sorry? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. And here here's here's a call here I think to do two things. One, be curious about your emotions. Um, attempt to understand why you're feeling what you're feeling, and instead of ignoring them, suppressing them, and oftentimes when we do that, they come out what in very unhealthy ways, right? But instead of doing that, say what, why am I feeling anxious right now? What what's going on internally? What's where is my soul struggling? And that that that's an important thing to do, right? It's a it's a barometer, it's an indicator. However very different from the postmodern relativistic culture. We don't terminate our exploration there. We don't explore, get insight, and then elevate those things necessarily to a position of authority. We have to, in turn, relate them to God and his word. So what does the psalmist say? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And it's here that the psalmist is giving us a model just like Paul does, for how to, our, to relate our emotions to God. We're curious about them, we discern them, we ask what they're they're saying, we, we explore them, we're curious about them, we don't suppress them. But yet we bring them back and connect them to God. What does God's word say? Um, what does his truth say? What is the nature of his character? And as we do that, um, We are letting our emotions drive us to God. We're letting our pain lead us to God instead of isolated from God or taking it out on everybody around us or um, channeling our emotions into unhealthy, uh, addictive kinds of behaviors. And I could go on and on about that. So so where we want to bring this discussion to a close today is to say, As we're wading into the deep, deep theology of Romans 9, and it is deep, okay, we don't ever want to separate it from the pastoral context, the point of pain that Paul is experiencing. In fact, it's his pain that drives him to seek after God, to learn more about God, and to measure his emotions by the truth of God. Remember, it is good and right, I think Paul would say, that he's feeling anguish in his soul because that's a natural human emotion to feel when those we we know are separated from Christ. But Paul doesn't let it terminate there, he lets him drive it to God and let it be the same for whatever's going on in our lives today. Okay, that'll do it, I'm gonna pray for us and we'll be back tomorrow. Lord, whatever's going on in our souls today, whatever restlessness, struggles, worry, anxiety, Lord, we bring it to you. We, um, we cast our burdens upon you. Lord, show us um, where we are not trusting. Show us where we are um, not placing our hope. Lord, show us how to wait, um, Lord, uh, upon you. Lord, knowing that you will renew our strength. So Father, we don't wanna be driven unmoored by our emotions, but Lord, we do want to be driven towards you by them. And so Lord, I ask for that grace for all of us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.